0: Great. Amazing. I love it when God speaks to us, hey? Precious. Really precious. Let's grab our seats together. Um, you will know if you've been around church for, uh, for a little while that we're in a, a little mini-series through the Book of Romans. There's some key things that we want to bring out from the Book of Romans. We're calling the series, you know, Who is Jesus? Who am I? And last week, Clive just wonderfully unpack that beautiful verse in Romans 8, verse 28. It says that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And I know the Holy Spirit was just impacting lives and working in us. He certainly was in me. And today uh, Ben's going to take some of uh, Romans 12 and unpack that to us. And so it's just a deep joy for me to welcome Ben to share the word of God. Can you welcome him as well? And just thank him for serving us. Get out. Uh, morning.
1: Thank you. Uh, thanks for the introduction, Andy. Uh, it's great to be here on this coronation bank holiday weekend. And I don't know about you, but for me, May is fast becoming my favorite month. We're getting glimpses, glimpses of some nice weather. Not so much today. Blossom on trees. And yeah, four-day week, we've had three bank holidays. So uh, I'm enjoying that. I wonder, did anybody follow the king's lead and make coronation quiche for the weekend? Is there any nods in there? Okay. It's a dish, not so many. It seems to a divided opinion. Um, So I wonder, what's your reaction to, to Quiche. I want to see who likes quiche, thumbs up. Who's more of a thumbs down on who's kind of in the middle? Some people probably have got no idea. Quiche, okay. <laughs> well, whether you have quiche or whether you had coronation chicken or scones, you know, I hope you had a good time this weekend to just gather with some friends and some family. Anyway, as Andy said, we are in the middle of a, a series looking at the book of Romans. Uh, this is the penultimate week. And it is such a, an in-depth book. We really feel like we're only scratching the surface um, of it. It's been called one of the most influential documents in the New Testament. Um, and I'd really recommend, I picked up a book, uh, which is on the book stand out there, by Andrew Ollerton, entitled Romans. Really worth a read if you would like to find out a bit more about that. It, you know, Romans contains so many wonderful Insights. And often the Bible verses that mean the most to me are the ones that I have to really hang on to. And just last week, uh, Clive shared from Romans 8, verse 28, similar to what we've been worshipping this morning, that God works for good in all things for those called according to his purposes. And if any of you were here last week, you know, I went home after the, the meeting just with my hope and faith risen that actually, despite the Perplexities of life despite the confusing situations that actually God was in it and God is in control and that includes even in the areas we got it wrong even in our sin that God is capable of bringing good out of it so Romans then is a letter as it says on the book here that makes sense of life and restores our vision this week then we're in Romans 12 and when the preaching rotor came out I knew I wanted to preach on this one, because for me, actually, over the years, um, the mind has been quite a battlefield at times, and we've entitled this one, Renewing Your Mind. Previously, I've spoken on to, I found it quite a challenge, and it's been said, actually, if you preach from your own challenges, you'll never run out of material, so that's what I'm entitled to do today. <sighs> Um, just the other week, for example, in our elders meeting, I shared that actually I just found myself falling into some habitual worries. And I was going round and round in a rabbit hole, it felt like, engaging in these worries, playing out worst case scenarios. And that was beginning to distract me, it was beginning to affect my day. And any of you who have maybe fallen down similarly, uh, you know that the way we think affects the way we feel. And I realised that my mindset then has the biggest say on my success. We're all familiar with phrases then, like, it's all in the mind. Or if I was going to use a sporting analogy, the game is 90% mental. And it's not even just in sport, is it? Even in in medicine, we know there's a phenomenon called the placebo effect, where actually when you uh, take a fake treatment, it's been shown to have benefits as well. So our brains are powerful. And actually, medical science tells us that our brains are also neuroplastic. That means the landscape of our brains is constantly changing all the time, making new neuropathways. Sometimes, though, I find myself wondering, will I ever get over my shortfalls? Will I ever move past kind of worries? Clive powerfully reminded us last week that actually, you know, if you're a believer in Christ sin's power has been broken. The old dog, he said, is dead. Sometimes, though, for me, it feels like that old dog is still sometimes alive. wonder if you can relate. I wonder if perhaps you keep coming back to some self-defeating behavior. Maybe it's a way of reacting with others that you've resigned to. It's just the way I am. See, earlier in Romans, Paul explains the human heart and mind are broken. We've only got to flick back a little bit to Romans 7, and Paul sums up the internal struggles we all face. He said, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. As humans, we struggle then to agree on most things, even quiche. But one of the things I would suggest that most of us would agree on is actually there's something wrong with the world around us. But actually not just the world, also internally as well. In the early 1900s, a newspaper uh, ran an article and they posed the question to their readership, what's wrong with the world? And they invited people to write in. The Catholic thinker G.K. Chesterton wrote a brief letter back And he said, dear sirs, in response, I am. And because we all fall short then, I wonder as a society if that's why we're drawn towards self-improvement. Intrinsically, we want to fix our lives. There's an entire movement in our society towards self-improvement. People write books, create podcasts. You've seen the headlines, 10 steps to a better life, better marriage, maybe a better career. Now, I'm a little bit of a a sucker for health crazes. And so Christy will often roll her eyes as I kind of add cinnamon to my coffee, maybe apple cider vinegar to my water. I don't necessarily recommend that one. (laughs) And there's a craze going around at the moment, isn't there, of cold showers and ice baths and, and swimming. And actually, for me, that's what I thought, I'll get one of those for my birthday this year in the garden I thought it'd be good however Chrissy put her foot down I said definitely a hard no so it might be things like meditation or mindfulness and we tend to eat this information up we chew it we swallow it hoping that the tips and tricks will in fact change our lives however transformation is hard work we're complex beings our shortfalls are often the combination of our upbringing, our temperament, life experiences, and in each of us there are deeply rooted patterns of belief and behaviour that are extremely difficult to change. And so when these tips and tricks don't work, we can research the next one, or we just fall back into previous bad habits. Culture then, and the world around us, is not neutral to this. We are susceptible to the advertising, the popular opinion, and the algorithms of our consumer-driven society. The psychologist Carl Jung said, the world will ask you who you are, and if you don't know, the world will tell you. And so no matter how much our modern society likes to celebrate our individuality, as humans, we often operate in herd mentality. That is, we make decisions just based on everybody else. And so, researchers have figured out that it just takes a minority of people to influence a crowd just 5%. And the rest of us, the other 95%, will just follow along with what's going on. Let's have a look at this video.
2: before we reveal the answer, we'll show It turns out the answer to this round is C, and while you likely chose C first and stuck with your answer, we also know that some viewers might have felt the peer pressure and switched to A. It's A. I want to ask you something. Did your gut at first tell you that the answer was actually C? Yeah, but everyone was choosing A, so I just felt like I had to pick A too. You felt the pull of the crowd. Yeah. In case you haven't figured it out yet, we'll let you in on a little secret. The first nine people in this line were working for us, and each time we ran the experiment, they were instructed to pick the same wrong answer. A. 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 It's A. Seeing all these people choose A left the last person in line who wasn't in on it with a tough decision to go with their gut or with a group. You're going to go with the
0: group? Yeah.
2: Although not all of the test subjects at the end of the line fell for it. it. I think it's A. In spite of what everybody else thinks, You don't trust the wisdom of the crowd? Uh, I'm trusting my gut. Okay. To be perfectly honest, I think C looks closest. And you think that they're all wrong? Yeah. Okay. Hi, (laughs) guys. And don't beat yourself up if you were tempted to go along with the crowd.
0: Make your choice. I'm going to have to go with A. Okay. Yeah. Thank
2: you. What happened?
0: I have a confession. I, I actually thought it was C.
2: Did you start to question your own judgment? I
0: did. I don't want to be the dumb kid. I don't want to stand out. You know, I was like, hey.
1: So, yeah, so the power of the crowd, the uh, culture around us is is powerful. But this desire to transform is, is not bad. Okay, the Bible tells us that sanctification, which is the process of becoming more like Christ, is God's will for our lives and soul. 1 Thessalonians. However, self-help only gets us so far because it's actually me-centred and me-dependent. So perhaps you've given up. The first half of Paul's letter to Romans then outlines our need for a true saviour, one who can deal with the root of our problem and one who has actually redeemed us. And so I'm just going to invite um, Christy just to come up and read Romans 12. And as we just hear the first part of this text, I want us to think about the title of the teaching series, which is, you know, who is Jesus and who am I?
2: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will.
1: Perfect, thank you. And so this first part of the verse is a great summary of how to live the Christian life. And I want us to just consider that first part of the verse. Based on the the opening of it, I want you to just have a think about it. Or maybe just turn to the person next to you and ask them, who is God? Who does this verse say God is? Or what is God like? Just have a brief conversation. Great. Right. So we've um, <clears throat> we've been worshiping our heavenly Father this morning. So do we volunteer somebody to shout out what, who is God or what is God like from this verse here? Anybody at all? Somebody help me out. Merciful, merciful. thankful. Thank you, Sophie. Yeah, God is merciful. Um, and uh, again, we we might know that. As head knowledge, but when it begins to sink in that He's affectionate towards us, you know, when we start to think about those the scriptures that Jesus said, you know, the stories of the of the prodigal son, that God is merciful towards us, um, you know, it can really begin to transform us. So, if God is merciful, if I answer next question is who am I? I'm a worshiper. Okay, I Paul instructs us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. The Holy Spirit now makes his home in me. I've been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. Worship is not just the amazing songs we've sung this morning and the prayers that have been said and the words. It's actually what I say with my tongue. It's what I look at with my eyes. It's the way I steward my time and my money. The message translation of the Bible says, take your everyday life, your ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, and you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. In the, um, the book I recommended, at the, uh, which is on the bookshelf, you can pick up, Andrew Ollerton, the author, um, says it this way. It should come up on the screens as well. Our bodies belong to God, not to Starbucks or Instagram. I find weekly disciplines like fasting from food, switching off social media, physically kneeling to pray, giving away a percentage of income, serving and volunteering. These practices remind me that I'm not a free agent on a cultural binge to get happy. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ called to live for God's glory. And these things can be really tough to do, though. There was a pattern of doing things in the Apostle Paul's day. And there's a shape and a pattern of doing things in the culture that we're a part of. And our upbringing and our experience can cause us to look at life through different lenses. If you were brought up in the UK, if I was to summarise popular opinion, it would be something like, you can believe whatever you want as long as it does not hurt anybody else. All truths are equal. And this postmodern view is, is largely accepted by society. If you're brought up in a non Western culture, you might have a different set of beliefs. You might believe in a God, but that God is far removed from your everyday life. The American pastor, um, John Mark Comer, says every follower of Jesus in every culture has to constantly ask the question in what ways have I been assimilated into the host, the host culture? In what ways do I mimic it? Do I agree with it? Do I walk oh, yeah. it? Do I just go with the flow? So I became a Christian uh, at university when I was 19. And if you had to ask me what the pattern of life was at, at uni those days, it was probably to get drunk, uh, to party, to maybe sleep around, to, to do what makes you feel good. And I can think back to several moments of regret. When I went on to a a local church, actually, the teachings of Jesus I encountered were completely different. Uh, They said things like, actually, you don't have to get drunk to fit in. And actually, my best plan for you is to have sex in a loving relationship of commitment called marriage. Paul is saying not only do we need to be aware of the worldly systems we're a part of, We're not to conform to them, but instead conform to Christ. Because of what Jesus has done then, because he loves me and you and he wants us to flourish, sometimes we'll need to go against the flow. It's really hard to go against the culture, but we are called to be salt and light and to enhance the flavor of life around us. And the good news is the grace of God is always with us. No matter when we fall short or if we've gone off track, there's always a way back with Jesus. The world, the flesh, and the devil then are all described as battlefronts to a Christian walking with God. And Jesus identified our pray, our primary war against the devil, though, is believing truth over lies. If we took Matthew's account of Jesus' temptation, it says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so my brain, our brains, like Jesus, are constantly assaulted with lies and temptation and Jesus' strategy was to combat the devil's lies with truth if we think back to the original Genesis story Satan didn't force himself on Adam and Eve but he deceived them and so Paul says to us the way forward is be transformed then by the renewing of your minds and this is not just a spiritual process but a physiological one as well Every thought a person dwells upon, whether we express it or not, either damages or improves our lives. As we think, we choose. And as we choose, our brain is changing moment by moment. And so by our thinking and our choosing, we are involved in redesigning the landscape of our brains. So how do I interpret life? How do you? Rather than just through the lens of my own experience... Trauma, preferences, or the opinions of others. Romans 12 verse two tells me to interpret my life through the lens of God's word and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. If you want to experience a different life, the abundant life Jesus promised, we must learn to intentionally renew our minds. In Hebrews, it says, for the word of God is alive and active than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Just, just um, the other day, I was walking with a good friend and we were talking about it. And he said to me, he said, Ben, I know all the Bible verses. And we both agreed it's not just about knowing the verses or even just repeating them to us but actually rather using them as a means of engaging deeply with God. And for me, the picture that came to mind was of a springboard. So we need to be regularly reading our Bible, and we need the Holy Spirit to help us as well. Transformation, then, can begin as we do that. And let's um, consider, then, how this might look in practice. A number of weeks ago, uh, when Jürgen was preaching, he was talking about this idea of we can't stop the birds, the crows, flying around but we can stop them from nesting in our, in our hair. And I want to do a similar explanation, but with, with a, an air traffic controller, okay? We can't stop the planes flying overhead, but we can choose which ones have permission to land. And so it's important that we recognise those thoughts which are going round. And we need to have compassion as well. We can't choose necessarily what thoughts pop up. Actually, we all at times have unwelcome thoughts, intrusive thoughts that come along. But then we do have a moment where we choose whether we allow them to land as well. And so much shame can get in here, and the enemy can then use that to act and for us to dwell on that more. And so my encouragement is to actually mindfully notice your thoughts. And then ask yourself, does this thought reflect what God says about me, or what God says about his word. When we've done that, we then to replace it. If the thoughts do not agree with what God says about us, then let's ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind maybe uh, some scripture, a word from God. And when we intentionally start to do this, we start to align our thoughts with God's word. It can create those new connections, those new pathways I've mentioned. And that then becomes our preferred way, our go-to method of thinking. Of course, it's not that easy. We need to reinforce it as well. Every time we're flooded with those thoughts that make us feel uncomfortable, again, we need to try to replace them with God's word. And actually, you know, by writing it down, it does help. Notice that there's three words there, recognize, replace, reinforce. The word resist is not there. If we try to resist the thoughts the way we don't want, often they come back stronger. There's that idea, isn't there, where somebody says, you know, whatever you do, don't think about a pink elephant. Don't do it. And then, of course, it comes, it comes to mind. And so we can't, we can't, by resisting our thoughts, we can't push them away. But actually, we might also need just to talk to somebody else about them. might need to chat to a friend and talk to God um, about them as well, to get some much needed perspective on our thoughts. So by doing this then, we honour our God-given emotions because it's all connected as well. So to use another analogy, we allow our thoughts to be passengers on the bus, but not necessarily drive the bus and drive our emotions. And we begin to collaborate with God to transform and renew our minds. I want to just begin to finish by reading the next bit, next part of Romans. Just some practical, practical advice here. So it's uh, verse nine to twenty-one, and I've got the um, ESV, but the NIV versions on the board there. I said I could teach it on the board, on the screens. (laughs) Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly love and affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. In the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to eat, to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so, in just a second, I'd um, like to invite the, the worship team um, to come back up. Um, and in terms of responding today, I think there's, there's two things I'd, I'd like to do. It might be, that for some of you, you would like to respond to this renewing your mind, and you'd like somebody to stand with you and pray with you. And so it might be somebody who's with you, or it might be one of the prayer team who's around. Um, so, so please take the opportunity to ask for prayer. Others of you might just be, ch- be challenged with the, the list I just read out. We'll keep that on the screens there. There might be something in there you think, actually, I'd really like somebody to pray with me about one of those lists that, that Paul has written. And so let's do that. I think let's, let's, let's um, stand to our feet. Let's engage in the next song. And just think about those two categories. Either the renewal of your minds, or just the practical uh, list that Paul finishes in Romans with. And let's just take an opportunity to pray for each other um, now
0: in this space.